Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. God's good. Amen. He is faithful. Amen. We're blessed. We are a blessed people. All right. Hey, let's get going. Get John 14 out on your Bible, your iPad, your phone. Someone said one time, open your Bible, open your iPad, open your phone, open your eyes. I mean, just, you know, be ready to receive what God has for you. Open your heart up. And so we're going to talk about something. We're still in a series called Save. We're going to finish it up in the next two weeks. And what was really on my heart is when you're looking at the picture, it's what we're doing. What does a picture of a saved person look like? And for the last three weeks, we've looked at different aspects. Now you're saved. Now what? What does that mean? What does that look like? And so today and, and next week, I really felt that the way to bring this uh, series to a close, what God wanted to talk about, if you will, is uh, another piece of being saved that perhaps isn't talked about as much as it should be, but we believe it in it here at Tree of Life. And that is the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And so we sang a song about that this morning. Uh, I, I read that in scripture already and, and talking and charging John. And then honestly, uh, it's the Holy Spirit in me, uh, God in me through the person of the Holy Spirit uh, that led me to that decision, if you will, and then um, to be obedient to that. And so let me illustrate this way, because I know there's a lot of un- things different people understand about the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, there's some goofy things. There's some weird things, which I don't think he's any of that. Uh, we usually form an opinion based on other people's experiences or what we've seen or what we've been told. And I find in talking with people about the Holy Spirit, most people have differing ideas, not because they've studied it for themselves, but because somebody told them something. And I want to dig into the Word these next two weeks and just show you a picture of the Holy Spirit that I think is the one the Bible paints, not what man paints. And it's important to have that piece because we need to have the picture of God and who we are to be. In fact, I have uh, with me in my hand a puzzle. There's a thousand pieces in there. And so this puzzle, many of you are puzzle people. I'm not. I just, I get frustrated. I can't find the right fit in the word and all that piece there. But a lot of you will work and you'll work from the outside in, right? People get the corners, you get the sides, you're working all the way around. But I believe what God's revealing to us through the series and, in the, and especially today and next week is that the most important part of a puzzle is the picture. Because it shows it what it's to be. This speaks on what is in this box is to be. And unless you know what it is to be or what you are to be, you, you struggle, you get frustrated, you may not even really fulfill that. And I want to encourage you today that the Holy Spirit is part of the peace that God has put in your life so we can have a complete picture of who God is and a complete picture of who he wants us to be. And so we need to include this piece this morning. And so I want to talk about that in the time that we have and then again in next week. So uh, you don't look in John 14 and we'll get, we'll get there in just a second. But uh, when you're looking at that passage of scripture, John 14, 15, and 16, it's Jesus speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper where he washed the feet. I, I referred to that already of his disciples. And they were in the upper room and they had uh, the room and they had the room they were in and had a, a Last Supper. Does anybody know why it's called the Last Supper? Right, great. Hey, that was a great, yeah, it was really hard. Thank you, is because it's the Last Supper, right? It's the last time Jesus was meeting with his disciples. Jesus knew this, but his disciples didn't. So Jesus obviously had an agenda. He had something he wanted to intentionally address. The last time he has all his followers together, his disciples rather, together before he's taken away. And so he speaks on the topic of the Holy Spirit. He talks about, I'm going to be uh, taking away, but I'm going to send somebody else that's going to come in my place. And it's interesting because 
John 13 addresses when Jesus washes their feet. John 17, is, it talks about when Jesus was in the garden and he prayed the prayer before they came to take him. But John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is talking about how he has to go away and then how God's not gonna leave him. In fact, the scripture says, God will not leave you as orphans. He's gonna send another just like me. And the important part of all that is he's gonna send somebody in my place. He tells him, I have to leave you, but you will not be left of orphans. The Father's gonna send you someone else. And Jesus introduces the person of the Holy Spirit for the first time. Now listen, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not this force or this power that we equate as a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we need to know that because many times people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. Well, that's not correct. In fact, when you look to the scripture, the scripture never refers to the Holy Spirit as an it, or as a force, as a power. It refers to as a him. He is a him. You see he or him throughout the scripture. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity, in fact, or what's called the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, same word. So we know that he's a part of the Trinity. But we have a problem sometimes because we focus on God the Father, God the Son, because that makes sense to us. But we a lot of times eliminate, mostly because either misrepresentation or misunderstanding, God the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you, it takes all three to complete the picture. That's what the picture looks like. But too many times, too many of us are function or operate with two out of the three, and then we have an incomplete picture. And so it's important that we relate to the Holy Spirit as a person. And the reason why is because if we don't relate to him as a person, we will never develop the personal relationship we should, because we don't develop personal relationship with its or forces, but we do with people. And so let's take a look, John 14, 16 through 17, New King James Version says, and I will pray the Father. Interesting wording, but the word pray there literally means ask. So Jesus is saying, I will ask the Father, and he will give you, God will give you, the Father will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of Truth, who the Holy Spirit's referred to as well, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you, with you, and will be in you. Are we getting the picture how the, Jesus is emphasizing that the Holy Spirit is a he or a him, a person? It goes on to say this then in verses 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, I'm here with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, you, and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Take a look in John 16, 7. Uh, I'm sorry, 15, 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Are you getting the picture here? Okay, it goes on to say, John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. You know why he says I can tell you the truth? Because you're not going to believe this. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. You're not going to believe this, but I'm telling you the truth. It's going to be to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. It goes on to say this. Then in the next passage, uh, John 16, 12 through 13, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Listen to that for a second. You realize Jesus still has many things to say to you? How many want to hear what, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear the rest of the stuff you have to say to me, Jesus. What is that that you have to say to me? I want to know what that is. 
And he goes, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will tell you of things to come. He will tell you of things Jesus hasn't told you yet, He will tell you that, and he will tell you about the future. I don't know what you equate it to, but a lot of times, and we'll be listening to some leading inside of us, the Holy Spirit, and we'll know what to do, a decision to make, and where to go, and not to go. You realize that's the Holy Spirit leading us. No, that's Jesus leading me. No, it's the Holy Spirit leading you. It's Jesus and and God the Father in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a part of the Trinity that's active and working in your life today. No, God told me, God spoke to me and told me to sell John as a pastor. Yes, he did through the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, no, John, God told me to go over here and, and, and bless this person. Yes, he did, but he did through the person of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? I'm talking about the relationship that we need to develop in a greater capacity with the person of the Holy Spirit. He will speak to you and he will tell you about the future. That's amazing. I want to hear the amazing things Jesus still has to say. I'd like to hear those things. He would teach you those things. So four times we saw the word helper, New King James Version. You may have a different version. It might say comforter, advocate, intercessor, spirit of truth. But the Greek word for the Holy Spirit is parakletos. Parakletos, that's the Greek word. It's two words, para meaning come alongside. Uh, let me give you another example of that. There's a word parabole in the Greek, two words together, para and bole. Uh, uh, bole means to throw. So uh, para per means alongside, so to throw alongside. Parabole is where we get the word parable. Jesus taught in parables. You know why he taught in parables? Because he wanted to, sto- to throw a, a story alongside of a truth so you and I could understand it. That's a parable. So the word parakletos means alongside and kletos means to walk. So the Holy Spirit, parakletos, is the one who is to walk alongside you. In other words, Jesus says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to walk alongside you. So you're never gonna be alone. I just wish Jesus was here. I wish he was here. He is in the Holy Spirit. He's the person of the Godhead alongside you. Jesus says, I'm gonna send someone who wants to walk alongside you. And the Holy Spirit's called the helper, the comforter. And I cut my teeth on the King James Version. My dad raised us on the King James. My mom was the Amplified. My dad was the King James. They're just opposites there, trying to find a happy medium there in my life. But, uh, so in the King James, it's the comforter. And it just makes me think, true story, back in the, when we first got married, my wife and I, and so we were setting up the home and getting some new things. You know, you get a bunch of hand-me-downs from people and all that kind of stuff, and we're thankful for that. And so then all of a sudden, my wife was ready. I want to go buy a comforter. Can I buy a comforter? And I'm like, sure, yeah, go buy a comforter. It's great. We need a new blanket and all that kind of stuff. I didn't realize comforters cost like $15,000. It's like this, it's a blanket, my goodness. And so on top of that, I didn't realize you spend a ton of money on a comforter, something you can't use. And so all of a sudden on our bed, there's this beautiful blanket and we got like eight pillows that we don't use on there and this beautiful blanket. And then all of a sudden at night, it's going to be cool at night. So I walk into the bedroom and it's folded down to the end of the bed. I'm like, where's it? What happened to the comforter? And she's like, oh no, you can't use it. Oh yeah, I can. I spent $15,000 on it. And it's like, no, it's not for use. It's just there. And I'm like, uh, one time I, I grabbed it in the cold in the middle of the night, pulled it up and she's like, what are you doing? That's the comforter. Put it back down there. Okay, serious. Men don't understand this because men, you know, there's a lot of things in your house that you can't use. You got a whole bunch of pillows you'll never use on the bed, right? They look, you just like to pile on top of them, but you can't. And then you got towels you can't use, a decorative towels or other people. In fact, the other day I was in the kitchen and I just did something. I washed my hand and I was looking for a towel. I couldn't find one. And over there hanging on the front of the stove is this nice towel that had the letter D on it. 
And so I went over there and started drying my hands. My wife walks around the corner and says, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think you're doing? I, I, I'm not thinking, obviously. I, I, I don't know. My hands were wet, and I saw it had my initial on it. I thought I'm supposed to use it. It had a D on there. Funny stuff, but the truth is, that's how people see the comforter. We don't use it like we should. It's just almost maybe for looks, maybe. And I think this as believers, we need to understand the comforter, the Holy Spirit, is meant to help us look like God. It's to help to complete the picture. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so, but too often, sadly, so many of us as uh, believers, we leave him just for looks and never for use. And so I'm going to give you three things about the comforter from those verses we've already read. And number one, he's my helper. He's my helper. And Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. You're not going to believe this. this is why he prefaced it that way. But it's to your advantage that I go away. And Jesus was saying that it's better that the Holy Spirit is on the earth today than if Jesus were in the flesh. And that's a hard one to wrap your brain around. What are you talking about? Better for Jesus not to be here, but the Holy Spirit to be here? Many of us think, I wish Jesus was here. I wish Jesus was walking with me. I wish Jesus was here in the flesh. And we, we, we think that it would be better that way. But Jesus says, no, it's better if I go. It's to your greater advantage that I'm not here. And there's many reasons why, but let me give you one of the reasons why. If Jesus were here today, he could only be in one geographical location at a time. But the Holy Spirit can be everywhere with every believer all the time, never leaving you or forsaking you. And so Jesus is saying, like, if I was here in the flesh... Everybody trying to find where I'm at. Where's he at? I don't know. He's over there. While well, everybody try and travel to where he was, and then try and fight through crowds to get to see him. And at best, we could be friends on Facebook or Instagram, maybe. But the Holy Spirit's everywhere all the time. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's with you. And we don't have to go without him, without the expression of the Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit is present wherever you need him. Jesus said he's with you. He's going to be in you. Have you ever got to that point where you're going to pray for somebody or you needed an answer to something and all of a sudden the answer rose up in you or you're going to pray for someone and it's like, you know, let me pray with you. And all of a sudden you, you feel something. I just feel like I'm so, you, you, when you need an answer and you pray and ask God and it's like, God answered me. He answered you through the Holy Spirit. The voice was the Holy Spirit speaking. And so many times, I'm going to give a, a little trade secret away here. The pastors aren't going to be real happy with me. I'm going to let you in on a little pastoral secret. A lot of times when people come up and ask us for prayer, just to be honest with you, we, we don't know what to say, right? They're, they're pouring their heart out, their life story, and the trouble that they're in. And a lot of times, it's like, you don't know what to say. And so here's what pastors do. They say, you know what? Let's just pray about that for a moment. <laughs> so if you go to a pastor and, and tell them what's, what, what's going on in your life and ask them to pray, and then they look at you and say, you know what? Let's just pray for a moment about that. That's them saying, basically saying, I have no idea what to say right now. I don't know what's going on. But the great thing about that is when you pray, the Holy Spirit rises up in you. And all of a sudden, out of your mouth, when you didn't know what to say, all of a sudden, here comes an answer, and you're sitting back wondering, well, that sounded great. Where'd that come from? It's the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's there to help you. He's there to help you, give you answers. I'm praying, asking God for an answer. God will answer you through the Holy Spirit. God will give you something to say to somebody through the Holy Spirit. And so we've all done that. We've all been there. Holy Spirit tells me what to say. And, and you know what? The Holy Spirit always tell, also tells us what not to say. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit in my life. There's many, many times I've thanked God, but he kept me from saying something I shouldn't with my wife. I was just like, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. John 16, 8 through 9 says this. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. That word convict would be the same as saying convince. He'll convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. 
Well, let's explain that. It'll, it'll give us each word again, and then it'll give us a because or tell us what that means. Number, uh, verse nine, of sin because they do not believe in me. Listen, the only reason the Holy Spirit convicts or convinces us of sin is because we don't believe. He's not trying to make you feel bad. He's not trying to condemn you. He's not trying to make you feel horrible about the things you've done. He's trying to help you understand that you need a savior. He's trying to convince you and I that we cannot do it on our own and there's nothing we could do to get sin out of our life except allow the savior to come and take that, pay the price. So the Holy Spirit convinces, and many of you, when you gave your life to Jesus, you were sitting in a service or you were somewhere, and you felt something inside of you pull on you, and what, it was do, the, what the Holy Spirit was doing was convincing you that you needed a Savior. You can't save yourself. You just need to give up. You can't, surre- you, you can't do it in your own. You just need to surrender. So you need a Savior. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says this, in fact, therefore I make known to you that no, spe- no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us to that point of salvation. He brings us to Christ. John 16, 10 says this. Of righteousness, convict you of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Jesus went to the Father. Jesus was going to make the connection for you and I with the Father so that now we can have a relationship with the Father. We couldn't have had a relationship with the Father had it not been for Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. It's the only way. So, so notice it says that he came to convince or convict of righteousness. He, he doesn't say of righteous living, but the Holy Spirit does teach us how to live righteously. It says he came to convict us of righteousness. Righteousness is being in a position to be righteous before God because of what Jesus did for us. In other words, we could never be good enough to obtain righteousness. Jesus did that. It's not our own righteousness. In fact, the Bible says our own righteousness is as filthy rags before God. But Jesus, through his shed blood, the perfect sacrifice, enables you and I to be righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, the word righteous means right standing. I can be in right standing with God, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus did. So he came to convince me that Jesus paid the price, and I can stand before a holy God because of what Jesus did. I don't have to cower. I don't have to grovel. I don't have to live in condemnation my whole life. He's, convinced, he's come to convince you. The Holy Spirit's come to convince you. That's because of Jesus, not because of you. That's what that literally means. He came to convict us or convince us of that, but it's his righteousness. So he convinced us that we are now in right standing with God. John 16, 11 says this, he convicts or convinces of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The ruler of this world is judged. Satan, the ruler of this world, has been judged. We think he's gonna be judged, but you know, on the cross, he was judged, sin was judged. He was defeated on the cross. Not one day, no, he's already been defeated by the work of Jesus Christ. He's already been judged by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's already taken place. So John 12, 31 says this, now is the judgment of this world, this is before Jesus goes to the cross, now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So God gave the keys to the earth, if you will, to Adam. Adam had dominion and authority, and then he lost them to Satan. Jesus came to get them back. He already did that 2,000 years ago. Okay, so the Holy Spirit comes to convict or convince me of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But here's what we think, and here's what we've been told, and here's what we've been taught. The Holy Spirit comes to tell me that I'm a bad person because of sin, that I'm part of, uh, that I'm not living right. 
and that God's going to get me or judge me. But let me tell you what this actually means, what the Holy Spirit actually came to do. He came to convince me that I need a Savior. And then once I turn to the Savior, that I'm righteous in his sight. I'm in right standing because of what Jesus did. And Satan has no more dominion or authority over me because he's already been judged through the work of Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit has come to do. And I want that relationship. And that's, what is that? It's a picture, a full picture of who you are to be and who God is. It's a Holy Spirit relationship. I love that. The Holy Spirit wants to teach us, okay, he's my helper. Number two, he's my friend. He's my friend and he's not weird. I mean, we got weird friends, but it's not the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, we do. I mean, you're, you don't want to laugh because you're sitting with him. But anyway, so we got, the Holy Spirit's not weird. And let me just say this. I know there's been that expression. I know that people, and that's part of the turn off to the Holy Spirit. And I wish that would never happen. The, some weird things. And can I tell you, those people were weird before the Holy Spirit. I'm just, I'm just saying, it just, because the Holy Spirit's not weird and he doesn't make you do weird things. I'm gonna tell you something about weird people. They were weird without the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you, that's the truth. So I, let me say this, and I don't mean any disrespect in this, but let, let me say this. I, I remember I, the church found, was founded by my dad at, when I was 13. And so we'd been in a church that believed in the gifts of the Spirit. And, and let, me, let me say, in speaking in tongues, we believe in all that. I believe in all that. I do that. I don't go a day without that. I don't get up here without doing that. And so as a kid, though, when back in the 80s, when Tree Life was founded in 81, when you start hearing about churches full of the Holy Spirit, those, those were churches that scared me. I mean, because what I knew as a kid, as a teenager, about people that went to Church of the Holy Spirit, there was like a church that, they, they, well, they believed, though, they believed in the Holy Spirit. They, they didn't wear makeup, their hairs were in buns, and I mean, it's all like, all that kind of stuff. And then there's the other extreme, then that church over there, they believe in the Holy Spirit, and, and they, got, they got more makeup than anybody should be allowed to wear. And then they're running the aisles and doing laps and all that stuff. And I don't mean disrespect, but no wonder we get a picture that makes us afraid of the Holy Spirit or turns us off on some things. And so let's just be honest, the Holy Spirit's not weird. He's not, it's, a, he, he's, it's a beautiful expression of who God is. He, he's a wonderful, kind person, and you can be on solid ground doctrinally by believing in him. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to change your personality. You don't have to run laps around the building. Uh, you don't have to be some ho holy, rolling, wild-eyed fanatic to believe in him. And can I tell you, I've done all that. That's okay. Mom, too, apparently, right there. Right? It's like, yeah. But can I tell you, he's nothing to be afraid of. He, he's a wonderful, wonderful expression of who God is. And so, hey, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit's in the Word. Read it. It's there. Read it. The truth is that I find most people that have the different kind of view and don't think he's for today haven't studied the word for themselves. They're just going by what experiences or what other people have said. But now, honestly, who do you think made us afraid of the Holy Spirit? Who do you think made us misunderstand and create confusion about the Holy Spirit? Well, it's the devil, because he doesn't want you to look like this. He doesn't want you to look like God. He doesn't want you to have God in his fullness in your life, operating in your life. So he creates confusion and he creates abuses and he creates uh, miscommunication or whatever that is in there to, be, to help us be afraid because he doesn't want you to do the things God wants you to do. Who do you think created fear, confusion, and misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit? about the one who empowers us to live a Christ-centered life, about the one who teaches us all things, about the one who walks alongside of us. 
And then he put the focus on one gift, really, because let's just be honest, none of us have really a problem about the Holy Spirit except for maybe one gift. And really, it's maybe the package, the way it's been packaged in the past. And so what is that one gift, Pastor? What is that one gift? Really, the only part of the Holy Spirit anybody really has a problem with is tongues. And I understand that because of the way it's been presented and represented and all that kind of stuff. And again, I want to tell you that I, I believe in all that. That's a core belief here at Tree of Life. We believe in that. Again, I don't, a day doesn't go by that I don't get up here. I, I, I'm thankful that I have that heavenly prayer language. And I know some of you right now are thinking, man, I was really liking this place too. <laughs> Keep coming back. And so you don't have to agree with me on that. I just want to present this, the truth of the word to you. I mean, it's your, it's your walk. But my job is to help you walk like this. And so I have to present it for you. And so I want you to see it. And so let me, let me, let me say this. People make a doctrine on that, you know, if you have this gift, that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't believe that. I think it is an evidence. I believe if you do speak in tongues, you cannot do it without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is evidence that you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there are other evidences of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Come on, if the, if the Holy Spirit is active in your life, you should walk in the power of God. That is an evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And also another one is love. Love is evident by the Holy Spirit in your life. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, love never fails. You realize 1 Corinthians 13 comes right after 1 Corinthians 12 and right before 1 Corinthians 14. There's a deep revelation for you today, thank you. Wow, that was deep. 13 comes before, after 12 and before 14. But listen, what's interesting, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the use of the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about the abuse of the gifts of the Spirit. And then packaged or sandwiched right between those two is this chapter on love. Why? Because the Bible says there that if you have uh, operated in all the gifts of the Spirit and have not love, you have nothing. Love is an evidence of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. What's another evidence of the Holy Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, tenderness, self-control, faithfulness. It's power, love, fruit of the Spirit, and then heavenly language. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's your helper, he's your friend, and then finally, he's my God. He's my God. And that even sounds strange to say it that way, right? I mean, it sounds, he's my God. Who's the Holy Spirit? He's God. We know the Father is God, God the Father. We know Jesus is part of the Godhead, God the Son. But why is it so strange to say that the Holy Spirit is God? I mean, I think it's partly because we don't see him as a person as we do the Father and the Son. That the Holy Spirit, understand his name. Well, we have a problem with the name, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Well, understand the Holy Spirit, that's his descriptive name. It describes his function in the Trinity. Now, Jesus had descriptive names, Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Messiah, Emmanuel. They're descriptive names of Jesus. The Father, God has descriptive names, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, God my provider, Jehovah Rapha, God my healer, Jehovah Shalom, God my peace. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is all throughout Scripture. Now, let me show you a few places where you see all three. John 14, 16, we've read it already. And I will pray, Jesus speaking, Jesus, I will pray, the Son will pray to the Father, God, and he will give you another helper, Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. Let's go on to the next one. 
John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father God will send in my name, Jesus, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all things that I've said. Next one. John 15, 26. But when the helper, Holy Spirit, whom I, Jesus, shall send to you from the Father God, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So the next one. This one you'll see all three in the same place at the same time. This is where Jesus is being baptized and beginning his ministry. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, Jesus, and a voice from heaven came, you are my beloved son, that's the Father speaking in whom I'm well pleased. You see that all throughout. And then probably maybe the most quoted or most famous one, the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, listen to descriptive names, the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And if you still had any questions, there's a scripture that just comes right out and says it, that he's God, Acts 5, 3, and 4. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Verse four says, you've not lied to men, but to God. Holy Spirit is a beautiful person to develop a relationship with so you can look like this. This is what God always intended. He wants to operate in your life. He wants to have a relationship with you. And if you're missing that piece out, well, then you're missing the picture God painted for you and I. After we're saved, then we're supposed to look like God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I just want to encourage you, don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's beautiful, a beautiful expression of God. And people say, and I, I want to close with saying this, and people have said this about tree life, and I know, I, I hear stuff, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Tree life's been here 36 years, plus years. And I know, I know it's been, you said, you go to that tree of life church, and people tell me all the time, and to me it's kind of humorous. You go to that tree of life church, don't they believe in the Holy Spirit there? You know what they're really saying? You know that tree left church? Don't believe in God there? Don't they teach about the Holy Spirit at that church? That church over there that looks like a big tent? Don't they teach about the Holy Spirit there? What they're really saying is don't they teach about God there? Don't they tell you to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? I mean, come on, really? A relationship with the Holy Spirit? Don't they tell you to have a relationship with God? Really, come on, a relationship with God? And I want to say, absolutely. You better believe it. Because we want you to be the picture of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's exactly what we believe. And, and I hope that you find us not goofy, weird. I'm not, I mean, I, some bad jokes, obviously, but not goofy, weird. And we can still do life and ministry together, but let's take a look at the Holy Spirit and the picture God's painted for you and I. And let's not be afraid of them or go by what other people have said or thought or experienced. Let's look into it for ourselves, And then let's embrace the beauty of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because he wants us to live a full life and experience all the wonders of the things that he has for us. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.